The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio, featuring authors and success experts, Dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Hello and happy December Day. Welcome, Power Partners, to Radio's finest program of positive book talk. Star Style, be the star you are. We hope you are ready to be inspired and uplifted. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are your personal growth success coaches here on the airwaves with you every week. We do want you to explore your potential and embrace your possibilities. Well, today we will be planting the seeds of heirlooms in our third segment when Jared Gettle from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds joins us to talk about the joys of eating organic and the dangers of frankenfood. In segment two, I will bring you sugar plum visions of serenity during this holiday season to keep you calm and collected. And coming right up in our Tea for Two segment, Heather and I are discussing the very disturbing stories of pedophilia with Praying Man, as in Praying Mantis. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the new teen radio show, Express Yourself, heard every Tuesday at noon on our sister network, Voice America Kids. You can find out info at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And the Miracle Moment is from Charles Swindoll. Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. And how true that is. And Mm -hmm. actions speak louder than words. And every day we are being watched. So what we do, what we say, you know, how we, how we act and how we treat others is all very important when it comes to raising children. Well, speaking of children, recent headlines have screamed, how could this happen? An inside look at how beloved football coach Jerry Sandusky befriended, betrayed and molested many of the young boys who idolized him. We're talking about the Penn State sex abuse case. But with the numerous sex scandals plaguing our world, Heather and I decided to bring some concrete information to you about pedophiles, their characteristics, their habits, and their tendencies. And we're calling this segment Praying Man, just like the praying mantis that patiently waits to attack and devour its victims. 
A pedophile is a predator who preys on children, slowly gaining their trust until they succumb to seduction. Now, often they're pillars of the community, communities and pedophiles target children in their own neighborhoods as well as use the Internet to lure their prey. Heather, more than any other crime, abuse against children is one of the most grievous. And I must admit, I have absolutely zero tolerance when it comes to mm-hmm. anything against kids. Now, pedophiles... Um, preferred sexual objects are children, and many who boast about it claim to have molested hundreds or thousands of kids. So I know, as always, in your health segments, you do a lot of research. What have you discovered about these narcissistic, incorrigible, and incurable creeps, I call them? Yeah, well, actually, there was a study um, or a, a publishing for uh, Harvard, uh, one of Harvard's medical journals, and seeing one of the biggest myths about pedophilia is um, is that people think it's strangers or like stranger danger. And in fact, about sixty-six to seventy percent of all sexual abuse cases involving um, pedophiles, um, the predator is oftentimes someone the child knows, a relative, neighbor, family member. Um, and it's seldom that these pedophiles act out of the blue, that it's just a random act. Most oftentimes, um, they try to desensitize uh, children to inappropriate behaviors, um, so that way they gradually escalate um, to physical contact, sort of like they're grooming them. And, I mean, you've heard of those cases before, um, you know, when kids, because kids are, you know, kids are so impressionable, and um, then they look up to adults, and you hear about those things, how uh, stuff gets discovered, uh, there was, the, you know, like the cool uncle or something that, you know, would buy beer for the kids or, or would show them, you know, pornographic moves, things that are completely inappropriate. But, um, the kid, again, is, if, if it's acted, um, that they're watching things like that, if it's, if it's, uh, sort of presumed that it's normal, then they think then what, um, what they're getting is normal behavior too, which is not. They're almost, like they're grooming them, you know, to make them seem like what they're doing to them is um, normal behavior. And, and I think what you're saying here, you know, and the key word is grooming them because what pedophiles do is they gain the trust of children first. And as you said, they, they act like they're cool. And many are community leaders and they are in professions that allow them to interact with children in their preferred age range. So, Unfortunately, you know, they're pastors, as we know, there's been all these, the priest things, they're Boy Scout leaders, they're coaches, they're teachers, they're child care providers, counselors, employees, you know, at establishments that serve kids. And they really get to know their targets and then slowly, slowly kind of seduce them by pulling them in and making them feel comfortable with the actions, which we know are very wrong. Yeah, no, and another thing, it was said that about 50% of um, these cases are done by close members of the family, you know, whether it's a babysitter or someone in the family. But then there's another 40% that's done by acquaintances, um, such as priests, coaches, counselors, or just other family friends. And another statistic I thought was just so bad is that one out of every five girls and one out of every ten boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. 
Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times... And I'm sure you see some of that sometimes in your um, clinical practice. I mean, I know you can't talk about it, but but because the statistics are so high. And from what I understand, too, is that pedophiles normally choose a, a sex that they prefer. They either like young girls or they like young boys. Sometimes they'll do both, but usually they have a preference. And you've heard that saying, um, eight is too late. And that's a phrase that a lot of molesters use because they feel that if girls reach puberty, they can, um, they, they could get pregnant. And so they have less chance of getting vaginal infections and pregnant, obviously, the younger they are. So they like them under fourth grade, which is oh, just pathetic. Well, if I just like my stomach turn, um, it makes me, you know, and, and you know what is so sad, um, is, you know, definitely some things that make the news, but also, you know, internationally, we've talked about before about human trafficking, the sex trade, and how in, in places, um, that people go on basically sex vacations, um, to places like Thailand where um, these, I, it just boggles my mind that people, it, one, can participate in it and that there's actual men and women that own like these brothels that have children in it, that people pay money basically to go there and rape and molest children. And, and I remember I think- we did a show called A Frowning Look on the Land of Smiles that was about Thailand itself. And mm. if I remember correctly, what you had said was, that many poor farmers or people that, you know, were struggling would literally sell their children for just mm-hmm. a little bit at a very young age, wasn't it, like anywhere between four, five, six. And literally busloads of tourists would come to these establishments to indulge in sexual activities with these kids. And the younger, the better. Yeah, and, and, again, it's so sad. It, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, absolutely heartbreaking. And I've seen, you know, some of these investigational shows where they do the raids, the children, again, they're groomed and they're conditioned. When people are coming in to raid these places to save these children, they're, they're taught to run. They're taught this is a bag. You know, they're horrified. They're so scared of, of being, of being caught, you know, and it's just, you know, again, ways, you know, of, of safeguarding your children. It's such that life you don't want to live in this world where you're afraid to let your children go outside, because very much so, you know, there is um, danger, you know, outside. You know, there are, is that danger, danger, but it's also, you know, knowing the people around you. Um, so I think, you know, some tips of starting at a young age so that your kids know the right from wrong. The base, you know, you know, no one else, you don't touch anyone else, no one touches you, you don't touch anyone else. Establishing that. But also something to start, you know, really at a young age, telling your children that, you know, we don't keep secrets in this house. So don't, if anyone ever tells you, you know, I want you to keep a secret, don't, there is no secrets. Because that's another thing, too. Children get told, you know, what, we have something, you know, you, you can't tell anyone that this is our secret. Let them know, you know, there are no secrets. As they get older, you know, they'll understand that, you know, Sally is telling, that you as an adult, no adult should ever be telling them to keep a secret. Well, um, and I think that the key to this is it's not even, it's not only just the secret, is that the molesters get to know the child so well that when they finally do molest them, um, they have like information to blackmail them, and they've already made the kid feel like this was their choice, even though the children are not attracted to their abusers. So they'll say something to them like, don't you tell or I'll tell your parents, blah, blah. 
you know, and there was mm-hmm. a really great movie um, that I watched recently that just gave me the chills. I could hardly watch it, but it was so well done. It was called Trust. Did you see that one, Heather? I don't no, know but he told me about it. But it, I just, just, it sounds wonderful, but absolutely it it was just so horrible about uh, the whole gist of it was how a a young girl who was in um in school who i think she was you know like 13 14 just starting maybe she was either eighth grade or freshman year she felt very much out of the loop and she wasn't as fast as any of her friends and see she met a boy online who she thought was 15 who really tried to you know was really sweet to her and they they text every day and emailed and finally they decide to meet and he's not a boy at all he turns out he's like a 40 year old man but by then they had been in communication for six months and he convinces her that um that with their really good friends and that they really do want to go forward with the sex blah blah and so it's a very very good movie but also sad because it shows how the pedophiles can become stalkers. They're not obvious stalkers, but they they are they do become a stalker. And as soon as they get their trust, you know, then they they seduce the person and who knows what happens, you know, after after that point. But I think this is another good reason that children uh, parents and children have to always keep those lines of communication open, just as you were saying, of no no secrets. And there's something I mean, that we, um, you know, we talked about in our clinic, there's really been fascinating studies about it, that at a certain age, your brain isn't developed enough. You don't think it's of consequences. You don't think in the now of, of the repercussions of things. Just as you think back to when you were a teenager and the time you snuck out and took the car, you think about that now and think, oh, my God, I would never do that. It was so dangerous. That, but when you're at that age, your brain doesn't process um, stuff like that. So a lot of times, you know, kids do things um, with, you know, without thinking about the consequences, without um, really understanding it. And um, a lot of times, too, you know, we that's why, you know, there's certain law, you know, regarding, regarding um, you know, uh, age of consent, you know, of, sexualized of, of people and it bothers me you know if sometimes if you see a 15 year old and 20 the brain development is completely different even in those age ranges and you know sometimes we'll see young girls that are you know that they think they're um you know so cool because they're dating someone older and unfortunately all that stuff we are mandated reporters um either if everything is 100 percent um consensual we have to report it by law because um it's illegal. Well, and thank goodness, because as you said, is there's a huge difference in the age and the the mental and emotional development of the people. I mean, when you're, you know, in your 30s, your 40s, or 50s, a few years doesn't make a difference. You know, when mm-hmm. you're 60, maybe 10 years doesn't make a difference. Exactly, but you're at your brain. When you're 10 and somebody's like 20, that's I, yeah. I wanted to bring up something, Heather, because I know this comes up a lot, and that is... Many people have assumed that many pedophiles are homosexual. And the Mm -hmm. fact is, is that there are far more heterosexual pedophiles than homosexuals. The ratio Mm -hmm. is 11 heterosexuals to one homosexual. And the majority Mm -hmm. of pedophiles are actually married men. 
So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who they are. So I wanted just to bust that myth that, uh, you know, if you are homosexual, that you're also going to be interested in young children. And the, the two are completely not Yeah, right. I've already found that to be an incredibly offensive thing. I actually took a wonderful class in college that was like the history of sexuality. And our teacher was hilarious from day one. He came out, he, um, he was a gay man, and he, his first, his opening line was, I'm here, I'm queer, get over it. And we studied all kind of like the, the history of sexuality, and then we read this one book regarding in the Roman times about pedophilia, and they had, they had a different view on it, and how it's so interesting our society makes, um, that terrible accusation to say if someone is, is gay, that, that, um, that they're into pedophilia. That's, um, yeah, I've I've heard just outlandish things of you know why I can't marry. I find that to be such um, such an insult and, and so discriminatory. To it say it is. It's someone. totally. But uh, there's a couple other things before because we're getting it towards the end here, so that we're going to have to um, to break as normal. But I wanted to to give a couple of facts about pedophilia so that people really can understand what it is. Number one, it is not a curable condition. Pedophiles are sexually obsessed with children, and their goal is to get as close to children of their preferred age range, you know, whether it's boys or girls and we have whatever age, and they have this obsessive compulsive characteristic, and they live within those sexual fantasies, and they create it. So they actually believe that molestation is wanted by the, the, by the kids, and the kids enjoy it. But deep down, they know that it's wrong. But they can be married, single, male, female, bisexual, heterosexual, homosexual. It doesn't really matter. They're, but um, And they can also be attracted to adults. So, you know, we they are called, there's different kinds of offenders, and some are dangerous, and some are, you know, I mean, they're all dangerous because they abuse you emotionally as well as mentally but um, and physically. But just to know that this is not a disease that is curable. So you can't, you know, you can't take a pedophile and make him better. And that's something that I think is really, really important to, for people to know. So Heather, why don't we uh, wrap it up and let's hope that we can keep our children safe by knowing a lot of the facts. Yeah, and if you want more facts and want more, you know, uplifting information, we want you to check out both of the websites. Go to bethestarur.com as well as bethestarur.org and comedyclutches.com, both are the K. Okay, well, we're going to have a business bite coming right up, and then I'll be back with you with Sugar Plum Visions to help you keep calm and collected during this frenetic holiday season. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be right back. Stay tuned. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Well, you have been asked to provide a proposal of your services for an upcoming job. You want to be clear, succinct, and competitive. How do you start? Well, first, write your mission for the success of this project in the first sentence. That'll grab your prospective client. Then detail the features and benefits that you propose. Make sure you have done plenty of research to substantiate your claims. 
Read everything possible on the subject that you are proposing. Consider conducting surveys to present and collect statistics on how others have successfully achieved a similar result. Give your proposals short to the point and on target so that they can have results. Give your credentials briefly and refrain from being overly formal. A straightforward, simple, easy-to-read proposal is more comprehensible to a majority of people than one that is complicated. Be optimistic. Promise a lot, but make sure to deliver more. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. With writing, speaking, acting, and media, call us at 925-377-STAR or visit starstyle.us. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star this business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Be the star you are. You are the star. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the Airwaves, well, Cynthia Bryan. Well, we appreciate you staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I wish you all a very, very, very happy, happy holiday. If you haven't checked out the new radio show for teens that Star Style produces as a global outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity, you are missing great youth entertainment. It's called Express Yourself, and new broadcasts air every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on our sister network, the Voice America Kids Network. You can catch up with the archives and also see what's coming by visiting expressyourselfteenradio.com. 
Our two teen hosts are Shandara Paschal and Stephen Zhao. And we have six on-air field reporters who are also teenagers from different areas. And they just offer you fun, entertaining, and youthful perspectives on life and music and everything in between. So if kids are talking about it, the kids, the, our kids are talking about it, and we say express yourself where teens talk and the world listens. So you'll want to check it out. Tuesdays at noon Pacific time on Voice America Kids. And, of course, go to www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. Be the Star You Are is also very excited to announce its eighth annual national essay concert contest, not concert. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we better have a, a concert. We certainly have a lot of musicians in our Be the Star You Are volunteer. But a U.S. Bank of Lafayette is sponsoring it. And if you love to write, this is an opportunity to win dollars, to get radio interviews to get gifts of books and get published. So guidelines are available at bethestarur.org or at btsya.com. You have two choice of topics, the world at my fingertips or hear me out, and you only got to write 600 words or less, and you can enter as many times as you wish. So make sure to enter today, bethestarur.org, or btsya.com. It's just the initials of the charity, Be the Star You Are. So good luck and write on, and we will be expecting to see your entry. It's so much fun, these essay contests. And when people win, um, they're just always so shocked that they won. And it, it's just, it's a great, great thing. It's really great for us, you know, to choose the winners and also great for the winners. And also the honorable mentions get, um, they get some publicity as well. They're always announced on the radio show. And now that we have a teen radio show, if it's a teen that wins, last year it was a 19-year-old that won, will also be interviewed on the Express Yourself Teen Radio. So I want to talk about Sugar Plum Visions now to help you have better health because there is no escaping this holiday bustle. But you don't have to buy into all that stress when you follow a few simple tricks that I do call the Sugar Plum Visions of Holiday Relief. So what is going on with the holidays is you know, everybody is busy doing the holiday thing, you know, decorating, hosting friends and family, gift shopping, traveling, basically driving yourself totally crazy in the process. And I know I'm no different from this. You know, I make my lists. I check them not twice, but about 10 times. And I'm always forgetting somebody or some, you know, something. And then I have to have to figure out something else to get them. This year, I've been making a lot of homemade gifts, also buying things. But a survey that was commissioned by the American Psychological Association found that 44% of women experience a major jump in stress levels during the holidays compared with 33% of men. In fact, it was kind of funny that 41% of guys said that they view the season as a perfect time to relax. I think that's probably because the women in their lives are running around going crazy. They're doing all the managing of the responsibilities that are associated with the holidays. So they're, they're the ones that are really feeling the crunch. But as a result of having all this work to do, so many women miss out on the joy of the season. And actually, they can make 
um, they can experience a downturn in their well-being and just feeling so stressed. And studies are showing that stress lowers our immunity and increases the risk of depression and, of course, increases our risk of getting sick at this time of the year. But there's good news, and it's possible to score calm. And how you do that is give yourself the gift of you. In my book, Be the Star You Are, the final chapter is called The Gift of You. And I'm going to just share a few things that you could do to give yourself a gift and give yourself sugar plum visions. So researchers have long known that being altruistic is good for the soul, good for the mind, good for the body. It raises levels of dopamine, which is a a feel-good brain chemical that shields the body from stress hormones. So whether you volunteer at a soup kitchen or go into a hospital or go caroling to a senior citizen or even just donate money to your favorite cause, you are helping yourself. You're giving yourself the gift of doing a good deed. What's interesting is that No selfless act is too small. And that, to me, is fascinating. To sustain a helper's high, you can aim to perform a simple act of kindness every single day. So here are some examples. You could bring the mail to an elderly neighbor. You could surprise a co-worker with, you know, a cup of tea. You could let a, a car that is trying to get in, let them go. You could pay the bridge toll for somebody. Um... There's a lot of things, you know, uh, you could just start singing Joy to the World (laughs) or Jingle Bells uh, to yourself. I always find that when I sing is that I feel better, but you do want to do a good deed daily. Uh, You want to tally your completed tasks and not just do a to-do list because a to-do list organizes tasks so nothing's fall through the cracks. But sometimes it leaves you feeling really overwhelmed because it reminds you of everything you haven't completed. So you want to balance it out by starting with like a did it list, either that or just do a check mark or cross things off. So, for example, maybe you didn't clean the guest room, you know, for your um, friends that are coming to stay, but you did make the transportation arrangements. So that's a positive thing. So give yourselves a gold star. So don't get down on yourself for things you didn't do. It's really hard. Really, everybody has only 24 hours in a day. Take a break from social networking. What some statistics are showing is that on social social networking sites, users usually highlight their trump uh, their triumphs and they downplay their disappointments. And that reinforces the human tendency to overestimate others' happiness. And it can leave you feeling like less than and or the impression that you're the only one his or her time well enough. You haven't found the perfect gift for your brother or sister or you haven't locked down fabulous plans for a new year. So you can't give yourself a break from social media if you can't then at least keep others, you know, successes in perspective because the odds are everyone is human and your friends and family are experiencing many of the same challenges that you are. I mean, in speaking of plans, I have no New Year's plans. I may just stay home because I don't want to be out in the hoopla and, you know, have to risk all the drunk drivers. So I just don't worry about it. Now, curl up with something warm to drink. This is interesting. By raising the body temperature, which is a sensation that's associated with comfort, all warm beverages relax you. A new research, though, is suggesting that hot chocolate is especially calming 
because it has a plant compound that is called ipecacin, and it's spelled E-P-I-C-A-T-E-C-H-I-N, and that keeps your blood pressure steady when stress mounts. Now, having milk, I like my hot chocolate creamy, so I may be kind of negating it because the milk lowers that absorption, and I don't like hot chocolate with just hot water. So, But in any case, just have something hot. Here on the show, we're always drinking hot tea. I've got my hot tea right now. That's why Heather and I do a tea for two. We've always done tea during our, during our radio segment. Send some sincere greetings. I know it's really hard to be writing holiday cards. What I did this year is I sent out greenings. I called it emails that I send out to people. And you can personalize them as much, you know, or as little as you want. But for like family members, it's good to write just a little note. And that helps you communicate that warm, heartfelt sentiment that reduces stress by reinforcing your connections to your social circle. And that's really a special delivery thing. Why don't you go in the kitchen and bake something from scratch? You know, you want to break out those cookie cutters and a batch of homemade gingerbread really can sweeten your state of mind long before you take that first bite because much of the credit goes to the prep work in the baking. You have to measure and mix ingredients in a series of steps and that induces a state of flow that helps you feel like you have an immersion and energized focus. Your thoughts become centered on the task at hand, and it helps shift stress to the back burner. And in addition, research those that the scent of baking spices, such as nutmeg and cinnamon, bring on a merry mood. And for those of you who who like, you know, hot toddies or hot mulled wine, oh, it smells so good in the kitchen. Now, as a gardener, I am the person that is always saying, get out into nature. So many of the gifts that I did this year are all homemade gifts. A lot of herbs, and I did uh, herbs olive oils and infusions and potpourris and I made uh, uh, organic teas and rose and chamomile and mint and people really do appreciate that extra work that you go to because I'm thinking of them as I do it. Laugh. Make sure that you laugh sometimes. If you're in a store and you're in a long line, talk to the people next to you instead of complaining because just by talking, it's going to make you feel better as well as it will help them lower their stress and their agitation. And take a breather before bed. So don't just sit by the TV or the computer or, or any unnecessary lighting or your cell phone, your smartphone, texting, etc. At nighttime, it's time to promote some relaxation and prime the body for some restful slumber. And while you're at it, why don't you set aside all those late night chores that you do and just spend some few minutes gazing at, uh, gazing at a flickering candle or the holiday lights. I love the Christmas lights and I just, I have them at, at night. I like to turn off all the lights in the house and just let the Christmas lights sparkle and they just help me shine. So it does get me ready for a good night's sleep and it clears my head and prepares me for a calm and productive tomorrow. So I hope that these visions of sugar plums will help you have a less stressed holiday. And for more information, you can always visit starstyle.us and have a really, really great holiday because it's time for children and it's time for family and it's not a time to be stressed out. 
Well, when we come back from break, we are going to be going into the garden and an organic garden and a farm where Jer Gettle, who is the founder of Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds and also co-author of the Heirloom Life Gardeners, will be joining us. And I'm so anxious to get my hands in the dirt because I am, you know, growing up on a farm, I am totally a gardener. And I just love this, love this, love this. You're going to love this book. It's simple, and it's going to be a great interview. So stay with me. I am Cynthia Bryan. You are listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be right back with Jer Gettle. The star you are. You don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Two seven. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you You don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. You are the star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, woohoo! you are still listening, and you will be so glad you are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a radio, radio program that has been broadcasting live every single week since 1998, bringing you the movers and shakers and the pioneers on the planet, all as part of a global 
Literacy Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity. Make sure you Zoom to btsya.com. And if you can, make a donation to keep this rip-roaring, hot, hot program on the air. And, hey, it is tax-deductible, so you're supporting literacy women, families, and youth. And you get to meet fabulous authors and experts who will make a difference in your life. And while you're there, check out the new radio program for teens, Express Yourself. That broadcasts every Tuesday at noon Pacific on the Voice America Kids Network. Also, go to btsya.com. Well, as you know, I grew up on a farm and have been an avid organic gardener since I was a little kid. And as a garden writer, I co-authored the New York Times bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul. And I write Digging Deep Gardening with Cynthia Bryan for newspapers and magazines and blogs and more. And the Garden Writers Association this morning sent me this email. Lots of new and exciting things at Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company. The new and improved 2012 Baker Creek Seed Catalog is just arriving in homes at a whopping 196 pages and containing more color photos than ever before. It's a must for the heirloom grower. Well, hopefully you received your new Baker Creek Seed Catalog, but if you didn't, we have an exclusive treat for you today because Jer Gattle, the founder of Baker Creek and the co-author of the new book, The Heirloom Life Gardener, along with his co-author, his wife, Emily, is my special guest. Now, Jer planted his first garden at age three. By age 17, he printed his first edition of the Baker Creek Heirloom Sea Catalog. In his mid-20s, the company was world-renowned. My gosh, he's still a youngster, and now he's got his book and his just fabulous things. Welcome, Jer, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, sure, appreciate it. Good to be on with you. Well, I am really, really excited about your book. Congratulations on the publication of the Heirloom Life Gardener, which I understand is just going to be the first of many books on heirloom seeds and organic gardening that you're going to be penning for Hypernian, right? Well, at least uh, two more is what we have lined up right now. The next book is uh, more of a cooking-related book, a food-related book, dealing with uh, the vegetables themselves. This book is more dealing with the growing and the cultivation and the history and the stories that make heirloom, uh, you know, seeds and gardening fun. Well, let's start with heirloom because, and you bring this up right in the beginning of the Heirloom Life Gardener, is when people hear the word heirloom, and I know that many, many, many people that I know, whenever I talk about heirlooms, they say, oh, yeah, I've had heirloom tomatoes, and everybody thinks tomatoes. But that, I mean, there are heirloom tomatoes, but that's just one of thousands. Tell us your definition of what an heirloom is, Jer. Well, basically, an heirloom is what uh, all seeds used to be, you know, prior to about 50, 60, 70 years ago. They were all seeds that were open-pollinated, which means you can save your own seed from generation to generation. There was no patenting, really. Pretty much, um, you know, by and large, seeds used to just be in the common domain. You know, anybody could buy them, sell them, raise them, trade them, give them away. And um, that's how we feel seeds should be. An heirloom, basically, you know, to us, it's just an old variety of vegetables. We don't put an exact year on it. I mean, it's just a term that means the same as antique or historic. It's a term that's similar to those that means basically an old strain, but old and antique and heirloom is different to different people. Well, and, you know, now we have 
Monsanto and all these chemical companies that actually started around the 1960s that started all the big agribusiness. And we, you call it Frankenfood because they have so added uh, chemicals, insecticides, pesticides, and they've, they've made all these hybrids of um, seeds now that we're not getting good nutrition anymore. And yeah, I've just seen a study um, that showed how, um, you know, in the last 50 years, the nutrition in our vegetables has actually now been proven by at least one study that uh, overall the nutritional value of crops like corn and spinach and so forth, you know, just all your basic vegetables, by and large, the nutritional value has actually dropped. Uh, you know, a lot of corns now are down to 7 or 8% protein instead of, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14% protein. And you and your wife, Emily, you're vegans, correct? We are, yeah. And we just eat um, all vegetable matter. Yes, all vegetable matter. And you grew up, I, I love the story in your book, The Heirloom Life Gardener. We're speaking with Jer Gettle, and he grew up, uh, your family homesteaded. Tell us what, what that was like, because I know now probably people look at it and think, oh, this was a healthy way. But at the time, you were probably... Um, looked at it with from some people's perspective of, oh, this is so odd. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, didn't know how to take it. You know, a lot of, you know, it's either people think of it as, uh, you know, it was kind of, kind of the, my parents kind of were a mix of the late end of the 70s, you know, where they wanted to go back to land and kind of little house on the prairie type, uh, you know, kind of from that 70s era where they were looking, you know, they were kind of on the end of it, the 60s and 70s era where they wanted to kind of, you know, Settle on the land and, you know, just basically grow their own food. And then it kind of, you know, disappeared in the 80s. When I came along, it kind of was disappearing. You know, and it wasn't just um, homesteading. It was the seeds themselves were disappearing in the 80s and 90s more than any time in, you know, in history. Uh, seed companies were disappearing. And uh, fortunately, in the last, you know, 10 years, that's reversed itself. And people are kind of moving back in that direction. But for, you know, 20 or 30 years, it was kind of like, uh, you know, nobody was doing much. You know, from the late 70s on, people were just kind of modernizing, forgetting, you know, getting away from anything green or environmental or, you know, gardening, anything to do with the soil. They didn't really want to do with it. They wanted to do it, you know, the big agribusiness way where you do it all on a tractor. Well, and this is where you come in at uh, at Baker Creek, which you founded, and it just sounds, I would love to come and visit someday, it sounds so beautiful, is you really got back to the original way of doing things in nature, because before patents, there were portraits. You know, people used to actually draw the vegetables and draw the seeds and draw the flowers. And as you said, anybody could trade them. And I find this just so, so horrible now that you're, that there are actually contracts that farmers have to sign where that says that they're not going to sell or keep or save or trade seeds because they want them to buy new genetically engineered seeds every year. Yeah, everything is, has become less like a farm and more like a lab and more like a corporate business. Um, a farmer is now, you know, signing uh, patent uh, agreements. They're having to, you know, use certain chemicals and certain fertilizers from certain companies. And ev everything has become where the farmer has less and less rights to what he's actually growing. And the corporations that buy and sell and, and um, you know, import and export they're having more and more rights of actually what's happening on the farm. They're basically calling the shots, and the farmer is basically just kind of a, a sharecropper, you know, that's uh, 
growing for a, you know a landlord basically. It's just so sad too. I I know that on our farm everything is still hand picked and you know hand done, but it just as you said is so much. There's so much technology coming into it now that if you're not into this bigger agribusiness, they try to put you out of business. And true farmers really, you know, they're really feeling the crunch with that. Well, let's talk more about your new book, The Heirloom Life Gardener, which is based on the Baker Creek way of growing your own food easily and naturally. First of all, Jer, I love the way you write because it's probably the way that you talk that is just real. It's real and authentic and it, you know, you're happening in the moment. It, your passion for plants uh, and organic plants and real food comes so through. One of the things that really struck me is how when you set off on your travels, whether it be Mexico or Guatemala or going to Thailand, is besides seeing the sites, you really wanted to find the seeds, the vegetables, the plants. Tell us a little bit about your adventures because they sounded amazing. Yeah, basically when I would travel... I started traveling when I was about 22, you know, overseas, and that was the main reason to travel. I mean, there was lots of things to see. I was really interested in the culture and the food and, you know, seeing the mountains and so forth. But the biggest thing was to, you know, find a new vegetable or a flower or, you know, some some farmer that had an interesting crop that he was growing and learn the history of it, you know, watch how they grow it and um, how they farm and garden. But just to bring seeds back to the United States, you know, say a new cucumber from Thailand, you're driving along the road and you see a you know, an ethnic uh, tribal group of people, you know, whether it's South America or Central America or wherever you're at, it's just always, uh, you know, it's really exciting to be able to find somebody who is growing something that they've passed down. Whether, and uh, even it's exciting, too, when people bring them in and, you know, give them to you here at the store. But, you know, the, traveling is always, you know, always an adventure, especially when you're trying to, you know, figure out how to, you know, speak a few words or, you know, try to figure out how to talk to them in English and they're trying to, you know, understand you and try to get the history. It's always a challenge. And isn't it so much fun, though, because as gardeners, as farmers, as people who are connected to the earth, somehow we find a way to communicate because... Yeah, oftentimes uh, we draw pictures, you know, and hand them back and forth to each other. And uh, kind of get the story that way. Or, you know, sometimes they would have to run down the road and... uh, find their neighbor who, uh, you know, spoke a few words of English or, you know, it was, it's always, but it's always fun. It's always exciting. Even the little bit you get um, is really interesting. Well, if, now, when you say that you started at 22, I want the listeners to know, I mean, you're only like 31 now, right? I mean, Correct, yeah. You're, you're, you are really, really young, and you've established so much. Not only did you establish Baker Creek, but right here in California, you have this fabulous place um, in Petaluma called the Seed Bank, which is in Sonoma County. And here in California, we are, I don't want to say everybody, but so many people are attempting to get back to the earth and plant orga- organically and eat healthy. And of course, farmers markets, which have been around for thousands of years around the world, are very, very big now. And isn't it funny, Jer, how people think farmers market are like the new hip thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just uh, something that, I mean, people back in the 1800s, everybody considered, you know, just taking your, you know, buying stuff at market was just a common thing. And it just kind of slowly disappeared, you know, uh, with modern agriculture. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, shipping and modern agriculture, it, all all sense of community around food kind of disappeared. It all came out of, a you know, a, a box and into a microwave. And that, you know, you sat around the TV and ate a microwave dinner. And uh, 
that was basically, you know, how people thought about food for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And it's just now where people are starting to think of food as, you know, again, thinking of food as, you know, something more than just something that you pull out of a box that's been colored and dyed and artificially flavored. And there's no way I can eat any of that. To me, that is, you know, that's like eating cardboard. We grew up um, and we we grew everything that we ate. And um, I remember as a teenager when friends were eating TV dinners, and we didn't know what they were, you know. And we so we begged my mom, why can't we have a TV dinner? Why are we always eating all this, you know, this fresh stuff? Can't we have a TV dinner? So she bought some aluminum plates and she divided up the food and said okay here's your tv dinner (laughs) so it was still fresh you know and so i always love that story because i thought well you know that was a good way mom to do it you know looking back she wasn't about to give us any of that you know any of those other things that were frozen okay so back to your book chair one of the things i love about your book besides your stories that are in the front you talk lots of fabulous pictures incredible pictures of of uh, of the fruits and vegetables and of your family and friends and your daughter Sasha who's just adorable but also uh, you have an a to z guide of growing about 50 different um 50 different vegetables and what's so great about it is you give growing tips you give the pests and diseases how to save the seeds and actually how to cook it and you must be a you are you and your wife must be fabulous cooks because I found myself salivating at just some of the really simple things you did with vegetables. No, you really we're not great cooks, and you don't really have to be great cooks though if you have fresh vegetables that can be prepared. You know, really simply. You know, compared to vegetables that you buy that are completely bland and flavorless. Uh, you know, you buy a tomato at the grocery store, especially you know in the wrong time of the year. But even throughout the year, the modern varieties just don't have any flavor. And you try to cook with them, you've got to try to figure ways to make them taste good just to get anybody to eat them. Whereas, you know, if something already tastes really good, you really don't have to do a lot to a really good tomato or uh, bell pepper or whatever if they're, you know, really fully flavored and ripened. I mean, there's just so many, uh, you know, so many great ways to cook them that are really simple that, you know, just uh, grilling them or baking them or roasting them, a lot of times they'll bring, like on a root vegetable, bring out the flavor. And people are amazed who never thought they liked rutabagas or Brussels sprouts. If they get good ones that are, you know, fresh, there's so much difference in the, you know, the taste and nutrition. And you're so right, uh, because uh, I, I mean, when you just said to me, I will not eat a tomato at a season, and I won't eat a tomato unless I grew it or my mom grew it. It came from somebody's garden. There's no, there's no um, comparison on how delicious they are. You know, the same with oranges, grapes, basically everything. But what you were saying about the simple preparation, a little olive oil, a little garlic, you know, throw a little sea salt, pepper. And the food just tastes fabulous when it's straight from the garden. And like you, my favorite thing is literally to go in the garden, grab a piece of basil, you know, a tomato or a tomatillo or whatever's there and kind of have my lunch right there. <laughs> it's a yeah, and we great. use a lot of, you know, I've been to Southeast Asia several times, so I've gotten a lot of ideas um, from that from those cultures and so many of their cultures you know make a meal in you know 10 or 15 minutes and it's just so you know oftentimes so just natural and like oftentimes right out of the forest of their garden you know it's so simple but yet so flavorful i mean it's amazing combinations of vegetables and ingredients that um oftentimes in the west we're so used to just eating you know the mcdonald's style diet which is uh you know, not not a lot of uh, you know flavor. It's basically you know more of the you taste the fats and uh, 
the the season, you know the the salts, but not actually you don't actually get the flavor of the herbs and the so well, many and different nothing, great vegetables not good that you can get you. if you grow them your own. Well, so before we run out of time, around how many heirloom seeds are you carrying now? Is it about 1,800 or more? About 1,400, yeah. Four, about 1,400, and that's Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. I want to give out the website so people can pick up your book and the seeds, which is rareseeds.com, and um, people would be able to pick up um, your book there, The Heirloom Life Gardener, as well as it would be on all the Internet sites and available in bookstores too correct sure is yeah and right now we actually are offering a free magazine subscription to our quarterly magazine to anybody that picks up the book on our website and that comes out quarterly and you can also get that at barnes and noble etc that's that's a great magazine too you have so many different things that are going on because besides your different stores and you have the comstock in uh, connecticut you also have events that are happening through um through a, for, through Baker Farms as well as you have an heirloom exposition. So I really encourage people go to rareseeds.com. This is a book you'll love. You'll go back to it over and over and over again. Plus, um, your catalogs are so beautiful, Jer, that I just save them. I love reading them like a book. It's my bedtime reading. Well, I, I don't know if they're that great or not, but I know the vegetables. The vegetables themselves, that's what, you know, it's so easy to make a fairly pretty looking book because there's, the vegetables themselves are just so colorful and so beautiful. The old varieties, I mean, it's there's a every year we grow some, you know several that just are amazing. You know, you find something that you've never seen before and they always amaze you. Well, so you know, if you pick up the catalog, then you can order the seeds, and you definitely want to start ordering seeds in January so they don't run out. Be ready for springtime. Rareseeds.com. The author is our 